Um, I must say that I'm a huge Razorback basketball fan, but in all honesty, I'd rather be here holding up Christ before your eyes tonight. Um, Our passage is from Psalm 22, verse 6. You'll have that on your listening guide, or you can turn to it in your copy of God's Word. I know this evening that sitting in these pews, there are probably more than a few of you whose hearts may be heavy under the burdens and trials of life. Some of your burdens may be more trivial in nature, others so heavy that you feel crushed under the weight of them, maybe unable to plot a way forward. I'm aware of some of your specific burdens and trials firsthand, others I simply assume because quite honestly, life is suffering. There's none of us who have lived very long who could say that things have gone, gone off exactly as we had planned. Things happen to us. Bad things happen to us. And if we have learned anything from the last 12 months, it's that despite living in a time of technological advancement that would leave our forefathers dumbfounded, despite living in a time where the whole colossal of human knowledge rests within the reach of our smartphones, Despite the fact that enterprising billionaires, not just nations, can build rockets and send people into orbit, we cannot escape, despite our best efforts, the reality of human suffering. And so your friend of 20 plus years succumbs to the complications of COVID-19, leaving behind a grieving spouse. Your aging parent suffers a life-altering stroke. You lose your job to outsourcing. Your spouse proves unfaithful. You wake up tired every morning because parenting young children trumps getting a good night's rest. Your doctor calls you with the test results and it's cancer. Your money runs out before the end of the month again. Your friend or family member betrays you with their words. Your car breaks down and you don't have the money to cover the repairs. Your governing officials have been lying to you or they enact just unjust laws that seem to compromise your convictions. Your sports heroes or spiritual heroes prove morally fallible once again, leaving you disillusioned. Your adult child walks away from the face. You get a late night phone call that a car wreck claimed the life of a loved one. Life is suffering. And while some of our suffering is the result of our own choices, much of the pain that life brings simply seems unjustified, unsolicited, undeserved. And this type of suffering brings with it an inner turmoil, which raises the burning question of why? Why me? Why now? Why this? And for Christians, the question is directed at God. Why God? David's psalm of lament in Psalm 22 is just the type of psalm we would expect a real flesh and blood human being to write. A psalm that arises from the all too familiar human experience of unexpected suffering. David is a man who, like you, has experienced the anguish of innocent suffering. Verse 6, our text tonight, comes out of David's grievances that arise particularly from the contempt and reproach of other people, his own people. And so we read, But I am a worm, and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. 
David's experience of contempt and derision, however, was partial. His abandonment real, but not in totality. Yet there is one who experienced the reality of total abandonment, complete derision, and the utmost contempt because he was abandoned not just by his people, but by his father. And so Matthew, Matthew Henry especially urges us in reading this psalm that we must keep our thoughts fixed not upon David, but upon Christ. Just as David's enemies ridicule him for trusting in God, so too was Jesus mocked and despised for trusting in his Father. The gospel writers draw for us a straight line from Psalm 22 to the sufferings of Jesus, the innocent sufferer par excellence, the sufferer whose innocence has no equal. And so our first and only point tonight is this. Christ suffered with us and for us. Christ suffered with us and for us. This is the connection the gospel writers make for us. David's words in Psalm 22.6 describe our Lord Jesus. But I am a worm and not a man. Can you imagine these words in the mouth of our Lord? The prince of heaven who took on flesh became a man. A worm. Is there a more lowly animal than a worm? No wonder David conjures images of this segmented creature and compares his own experience to it. Worms spend most of their lives hidden beneath soil, out of sight, out of mind. They have no eyes to detect light because what's the point? Their whole lives are spent in the dark. And the only time they come up to the surface is when the rains soak the soil and heave them upward, flooding their homes and sending them writhing above ground. Man at best is a worm, but Jesus becomes a worm so that he could be trampled upon as he was. He was despised and rejected as if he were an evil man, treated like a blasphemer, a sinner, a Sabbath breaker. Shamed like a prostitute, a pervert, a pedophile, spit upon like a drunk, a violent offender, shunned like a rapist, an an outed adulterer. The most innocent man who ever lived was accused of rebellion, blaspheme, sedition. He was so hated that his accusers traded his life for a convicted terrorist. He was beaten, had his beard torn out, crown of thorns pressed forcibly down upon his head. He was whipped within an inch of his life, flesh torn, body bruised, face bloodied beyond recognition. He was mocked, laughed at, stripped naked, nailed like a piece of wood to a piece of wood. The creator of all things through which all the world was made, the one whom the apostle John called the word, could have spoken any word and stopped it in a moment, but like a lamb led to the slaughter, he uttered not a single word. Beloved, you may wonder why a good and loving, omnipotent God allows you to suffer. You may wrestle with the whys and the what fors. God welcomes the questions. But you must acknowledge, if you have any familiarity at all with the sufferings of Jesus, you must acknowledge that God so hates suffering, your suffering, that he was willing to come into the world and suffer with you. 
Whatever God's reasons for creating a world with suffering in it, be sure that at the beginning of time, the rule maker set the rules of suffering, knowing full well that he would one day live by his own rules and have the courage to take his own medicine. God can exact nothing from man in his suffering that he has not exacted from himself. Jesus lived the entirety of the human experience. He skipped out on nothing. From all the trivial inconveniences of family life, the annoying habits of co-workers, to the pressures of work and lack of money, to the worst horrors of pain, death, abandonment, loss, and humiliation. As one writer put it, when he was a man, when Jesus was a man, he played the man. He was born in poverty and died in disgrace and thought it all worthwhile. This is your God. But be sure the passions of our Lord Jesus are a resource for you in your suffering. The gospel accounts of his suffering are meant to be a balm, a comfort, a counselor to your weary and beaten down soul. For in the midst of suffering, we are reminded of God's willingness to enter this world of suffering and suffer alongside with us. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. No, although he was God's son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Do you read of Jesus' sufferings in the gospel and see in them a compassionate friend, a willing comforter, a co-sufferer? one who knows exactly the sadness and pain you are experiencing. Go to Jesus in the midst of your sufferings. You will find a kindred spirit. Come walk with Jesus in his suffering. As Pastor Brad pointed out today, to be a disciple of Jesus is to walk with Jesus to Calvary. If your Lord had a cross before the crown, then why would you expect two crowns? But Jesus not only suffered with us, he suffered for us. All our Lord's sufferings were vicarious. He suffered not for his own sins, but for ours. He was eminently our substitute in all his passion. Perhaps the shortest expression of the gospel in scripture is this, by his wounds we are healed. Your only hope of healing, of escaping the sin-soaked frame, is not by bearing up under suffering, but rather that Jesus suffered for your sake, the righteous for the unrighteous. Beloved, look to Jesus. Let this image of Christ crucified be always printed on your heart. And so I will leave you with two short applications that flow from this. First, Let Christ's vicarious suffering stir up in you the hatred of sin. For it was your sin that held him there, your mocking voice that called out among the scoffers. Do not add to his stripes. Do not cling to that sin for which he died to set you free. And lastly, may the image of Christ, your suffering Savior, Savior, cultivate in you a sincere love for God. For it was the will of the Lord to crush him. And if God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
Even in the midst of suffering, he is pursuing your good. How could you not love a God who was willing to enter into your world to suffer alongside you and to suffer for your sake? Let's pray. Father, we ask that as we meditate on the sufferings of our Savior, please impress upon our hearts a hatred for our own sin that we may forsake it. Draw out in our hearts love towards Jesus who suffered as the righteous for the unrighteous that we might be brought back to you. Amen.